Welcome. You're listening to I Am Royalty Radio. This is Race, Violence, and Medicine, the show that invites you to have constructive dialogue with guests who will challenge your worldview and inspire you to action. I am your host, Dr. Brian H. Williams. Our guest today is Dr. Andrew D. Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein is the founder of On Call for Democracy. This is a organization of thousands of healthcare professionals from across the country who are working hard to elect pro-health candidates. Dr. Goldstein is also an assistant professor of internal medicine at New York University School of Medicine. Dr. Goldstein, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for elevating these issues of such importance. Well, let's start out like, what is On Call for Democracy? So we are a grassroots group of health professionals nationwide uh, who are using our voice to help get out the vote for the 2018 elections and hopefully beyond. So what, what inspired you to do this? Because, I mean, I'm a doctor like you and I have plenty of things on my plate. So how do you find time for this? And like, you know, why are you doing it actually? Why are you doing this? Yeah, well, well, many of us are very busy, but I think in the last two years, especially, but even, you know, before that, many of us have felt this increasing uh, desire to really step up and use our voice uh, outside of the, you know, clinical setting, the exam room, the hospital, to go beyond doing research and to actually be involved, not just in health policy, but in who the decision makers for health policies are. And that's because of what we've seen in terms of bad policies happening, whether that's, you know, things like family separation at the border um, or work requirements for Medicaid, or it's the absence of good things, you know, the environmental protections that we know save lives, the health coverage that we know saves lives, these things that could happen that are good but haven't, and the bad things that hurt people and cause needless suffering. Um, those are things that affect our patients and uh, we have to not ignore the political determinants of health. And so we have to sort of be involved in, in elections and, and influence who the decision makers are. So how, how does being a healthcare professional, how, how does that give you credibility in this arena beyond just healthcare policy? Well, it's, it's a great question because there's a very, uh, you know, an unfortunate moment that our political discourse is in right now where everything is hyper-partisanized. Uh, as soon as you talk, people wanna know, is this a, someone from my political tribe talking or is it from the other tribe? And then how they you know, react to that information or, or content is very much related to who they think is speaking and are they like you? And as health professionals, we have a very uh, different voice. Uh, we are talking about the health of our patients and our communities. When someone shows up and says, I'm a nurse volunteering to get out the vote because that impacts health. That's very different than someone saying, uh, you know, I think what the other party is doing is so wrong and my party is right. Um, and, and sort of it doesn't feed into that antagonism. That said, you can still take very strong stances as, uh, as a health professional. And I think that's the unique thing. We can say very clearly that this is bad for the health of our country. This is good for the health of our country. And we think you should vote in a way that will make good things happen. Um, but it sort of gets away from this tribal mentality. So that's interesting because when you talk about the hyper-partisanship, it's broken down 
pretty much into Demo- Democratic camp and Republican camp. Now with with healthcare, you you on call for democracy is described as a progressive group of professionals that are pushing pro health ideas, but that doesn't necessarily mean Democratic candidates or Republican candidates. Is that is that fair to say? Does, does it cross both spectrums as long as we're pro health? Yeah, we we would work with anyone. We would talk with anyone. But I think at the end of the day, we have a very you know strong line on on what is good for health and what is bad for health, and that's based on you know, what's where, where the evidence is. And the thing about not being too partisan in the sense that we're specifically Democrat or specifically Republican um, is because those sort of labels can be, uh, you know, they, they, they don't work well with a professional conversation with a, a doctor or nurse coming out there. But right. at the end of the day, the, the vote that ultimately happens will obviously be for a specific candidate for a specific party. And that's fine. But I think, you know, the starting point needs to be just like, we're all people who want to improve the health of other people. And so I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of the colleagues who have been working with us on this uh, On Call for Democracy campaign also were involved in a health professionals protest in 2017 that we had organized. And and so we overwhelmingly were, were only showing up at uh, Republican Congress people, senators, and governor's offices to demand that they speak out against the repeal bills for Obamacare and for Medicaid cuts. And uh, what was good about it is we weren't saying, like, all Republicans are bad. We were saying, protect the health of your community. And so Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, he had actually come out against the repeal bill and had been making positive comments about Medicaid. And we actually had thank you statements in that it was a rally outside of the governor's mansion, not a protest. And so I think that's the kind of attitude that we should take is we just want the end of the day to be pro-health. Um, we'll protest you if, if that's necessary. We'll vote against you if that's necessary. But we're not against you or your party per se. We're against the, the bad uh, you know, policies. Yeah, and whether it's a rally or a protest is sometimes in the eye of the, at how the media portrays it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, you know, a similar thing, um, you know, I personally was outside of Dan Donovan, the Staten Island Republican congressman's office for that health professionals protest. And uh, that was a protest because at that point he had yet to make a stand. Um, but he ultimately voted no on the health repeal bills and uh, you know, uh, us and some of our, our colleagues who had been involved in pressuring him, sent him like a thank you cake um, and his office staff uh, said that, you know, that it was an appreciated gesture. And it's, it's sort of like there is a willingness to work together. Um, and that's why the, the partisan, the high partisan labels don't really feel right. But taking strong stands of what's good for the health of, you know, our, our, our peers, our, our patients, our, our communities is, is pretty important, too. And that doesn't mean being apolitical. So you've said you've been doing some rallies slash protests. What other activities is On Call for Democracy involved with? Well, On Call for Democracy is specifically focused on uh, getting out the vote. And so those are other uh, efforts in the past, but it's a lot of the same people. And, you know, what we do for On Call for Democracy is we work with individuals and organizations who are health professionals or representing them to foster more activity around getting out the vote using the health professional voice. And so a lot of people vote but a lot of people might stop there in their political uh, lead up. 
And so the way that most people think about it is you get one vote, but that's not actually true. And, and if you ask, like, do billionaires get one vote? You might think, well, actually, they use their you know, ad money to get a lot more votes. Um, and so what a lot of us have is we have numbers, we have time. And for health professionals, you know, what we would sort of uh, argue is you also have like a unique voice that is heard differently in society. And you can use these things. We together can use these things in aggregate um, to really uh, turn out the vote and not just have our individual vote. But if you show up for one or two hours, you might make another vote or two happen. And if you do that 10 times, you're making, you know, dozens of votes happen. And if thousands of people do that, that's tens of thousands of votes. And in close elections, those votes matter. So have you been involved in this sort of few specifically in this kind of political activism prior to On Call for Democracy? And oh, you said it, this evolved from another, some other work you were doing, but how long have you been doing this? Well, I would say my personal political involvement was I canvassed for Obama in New Hampshire in 2008. And aside from that, was very heavily in armchair mode. I would read the news. I would talk about politics with friends and family. I would maybe put something on my personal Facebook, but I didn't really do anything until the lead up to the 2016 election. I did some writing then, and then since then, realized that I felt like the, the most important missing gap is really around uh, just everyday people having a habit of civic engagement. And those who have a little bit extra time sort of seeing themselves as organizers and having the skills and comfort to do that. And so I've been involved with a lot of grassroots organizations as well as nonprofit medical advocacy organizations who have been involved for the health repeal bills um, for fighting them, as well as around family separation and now with the Supreme Court nomination. But, you know, in, in this in this year, in this uh, key election year, I think a lot of us have clearly been focused on the uh, on winning back Congress, at least, and as, as well as very uh, many important governorships as well as state races. And so, you know, starting back in the in the midsummer, many of us who have done uh, organizing on other issues felt that the elections are crucial, that existing nonprofits have legal constraints on what they can do uh, for election work. And that's why many of us sort of decided to come together for this separate effort on call for democracy to uh, be involved in getting out the vote. Right. Okay. If you're, thanks for tuning in. We're listening. We're talking with uh, Dr. Andrew D. Goldstein. He is an assistant professor of internal medicine at New York university and is the founder of on call for democracy, which is a grassroots organization mobilizing healthcare professional professionals across the country to help get out the vote for pro-health candidates. We're going to take a break. Stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Race, Violence, and Medicine. We are here today with Dr. Andrew D. Goldstein. He is the founder of On Call for Democracy, a grassroots organization mobilizing thousands of healthcare professionals across the country to help get out the vote to elect pro-health candidates. He's also an assistant professor of internal medicine at New York University School of Medicine. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thank you. So uh, we left off talking about the work you were doing with OC, or I'm say, I keep saying OC4D. Uh, I'm not sure if I should be doing that. This is your organization. <laughs> I'm giving it my, my own shorthand, but on call for democracy. Um, but let's talk about your, your journey into medicine. Uh, you're, you're a doctor that is politically active. Uh, you know, 
how'd you get into medicine? Did you want to do this when you were a kid? Were you a late bloomer? Yeah, I would say I'm a middle bloomer. So I did not want to become a doctor when I was growing up. I, uh, I actually had a little bit of an aversion to it just because I remember meeting like a few people who I was in school with who were like pre-med since junior high or earlier. And I just remember the intensity around that felt very uh, like something that I didn't resonate with me. Um, and I, I would say at the same time, I was a bit of like a an existential kid. And I was like, oh, what's the purpose? And I think at some point I realized <laughs> the purpose, uh, at least if you, um, my, my first stage was recognizing that like there, for me, the purpose is what you make of it, uh, of life. And for me, I was like, well, what does that even mean? And I guess I really like watching movies. And so I actually felt like I might want to be a screenwriter because that was the thing that gave me the most joy. Awesome. Uh, but I, I took a, a course very early that was on um, social justice and artistic expression. And I took it more for the latter part, but the, the social justice aspect really resonated with me. I went to this a public college school. This yeah, this college, college or high school? Okay. That, yeah. Um, I, I'd gone to a public high school and um, it was very socioeconomically and racially diverse. Um, it was also, uh, there was, you know, educational tracking. And so I remember kids who I uh, went to elementary school with who, you know, very quickly were sort of sorted into honors or not honors. And I just felt like I um, had sort of been put on a, a, on a pathway to, you know, going to college and, and having sort of professional opportunities in front of me that many of the people who I grew up with didn't. And so that sort of, um, I don't think I grew up a, around a lot of social justice discussions, but I think that as soon as I, you know, read about uh, Barbara Ehrenreich or social justice and uh, movements that have existed, um, I felt that they resonated a lot and uh, quickly sort of uh, became familiar with the nonprofit sector. And I worked summer jobs with nonprofit public health organizations um, that also were very aware of the social determinants of health and uh, was very involved in program development and design and evaluation sort of during college and, and afterwards with a few nonprofit organizations. And, and through that and through reading um, the Paul Farmer biography, Mountains Beyond Mountains by Tracy Kidder, uh, I realized that there was a way to be a clinician who was also involved in program development slash organizational development and to use all of those experiences clinical and organizational to advocate for policies that you you think are important for uh, people beyond your immediate scope and so that was the model that got me into medicine can you say the name of that book and the author again please it's the book is uh it's a biography of paul farmer the author is oh, Tracy oh yeah Kidder. paul farmer okay yeah yeah the the author is tracy kidder and the book is called mountains beyond mountains Right. Paul Farmer's from the, from the Brigham where I did my residency. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. You're, you, you know the partners in health people well. I, I yeah. you know, I worked for a few years doing global health work. Um, and that's very much where my, it felt morally centered for me going to work with the poorest of the poor. I worked with an organization called Last Mile Health, which is a sister organization of partners in health in Liberia. Um, and uh, I, I did a lot of work with community health worker programs. Right, right. So what you, where'd you, you said you grew up in a very diverse area. Where'd you grow up? It's a suburb of Philadelphia called Addington. Addington. Okay. You know where Lancaster, Lancaster is. <laughs> yeah, that's more the middle of the state. This is sort of uh, southeast corner, um, just north of Philly. 
All right. Yeah, my, my, my wife's my wife's from Lancaster, so I've been out there a few times. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to um, let's go back to on call for democracy. So wait a second, where did you go to medical school and residency? I went to medical school at Mount Sinai, and I did residency at Columbia. So I've been sort of rooted in New York for most of the last uh, twelve years. Okay. All right. So for on call for democracy. Like, what is your, the makeup of the organization? You've mentioned doctors and nurses. Is it beyond that in healthcare? Yeah. So the who we are is really a broad definition of health professionals. So uh, we have social workers, psychologists, uh, people who have doctorates in pharmacy. Um, there's uh, sort of a, a wide definition because we think a lot of different people work in, in health and have an ethical obligation to the patients that they serve. Um, and there's, you know, about a million doctors in this country, but there's like five or six million health professionals. And, and right. we don't want to be too exclusive. And um, we think we all have a, a, a special voice uh, communicating what's important for the health of our patients. Now, is that is that the structure working well with the integration of all these different professions? Because I, I know in real life, sometimes there can be a lot of parochialism that prevents <laughs> working well together in these, for these types of endeavors. Yeah, I, I actually think that it's been one of the most, um, you know, affirming spaces to do activism across different professions. We get so siloed in our clinical work, and I feel like antagonism can sort of be bred at different conflict moments. But in this work, there's such laser-like focus on what's important, and there is no ego, and there's no, like, uh, antagonistic, you know, roles that are defined in a way that create conflict. It, it really um, is just like it's a team effort. It's all hands on deck. And so the role sort of, you know, falls away. Like, I don't really uh, see myself as like a doctor when I'm on a call. I, and we're just two people who really care about the health of our country. And, you know, when we go out and communicate, when we canvas, knocking doors, when we make phone calls, we might say, I'm a social worker, or I'm a doctor. Um, but I feel like when we're working together as a team to make this campaign of On Call for Democracy happen, um, those sort of things actually fade away. And it's really nice to actually be in that space. So how would you define success for on-call democracy? The midterms are coming up, we're a few weeks away. When, that, when that's over, how, what would you consider to be your benchmark for success? Well, I was having a conversation with someone who volunteered very early. We set super ambitious, um, not benchmark, but goal, because um, I think that there's you know different levels of success that we would uh, like to have or, you know, dream of having. And I'm a big fan of sort of shoot for the stars. And if you land on the moon, that's awesome. And so we really um, ha hope to engage thousands of health professionals to have tens of thousands of conversations. Um, now, that's a, a lot of people. And we started late and we're sprinting full speed until election day. So who knows where we'll land? I think at this point, you know, we're pretty happy having several hundreds of uh, health professionals involved and the thousands of conversations that that's yielded. So I would already say like, we're at a point now where we feel like this is going well. Um, but, you know, we don't want to declare success right now because there's still a month until the election and we want to get every conversation to happen that possibly can to get every vote to happen that possibly can. So um, uh, ask me on election day, uh, how, how things went. And I think ultimately, I'm, you know, we won't know our impact on a specific election or across all elections. And we won't know our exact numbers of involvement, because a lot of our 
uh, engagement ask is asking people to have conversations with their peer network so we don't capture data on everything that happens. But I think um, what we really want is the idea of getting out the vote and of engaging people, uh, not just in print, um, but also in, in, in personal, in-person conversations. Um, we want that to be something that health professionals see as a possibility that they could do. Well, speaking of getting these thousands or tens of thousands of conversations going, how can healthcare professionals that are listening right now uh, get involved? Yeah, so first, if you're not a health professional, you absolutely should get out the vote stuff too. So all of this applies to you. You might not have special tailored messaging around you know, your, your ethical obligation of speaking for your patients as a, as a doctor or a nurse, and you might not need to focus solely on health issues, but everyone can do um, get out the vote uh, work. I realize it's not entirely familiar to everyone. So just to, um, to organize it a little bit. So this is voter mobilization, get out the vote. There's a few different forms that can take. One is like door knocking or canvassing and that's signing up for shifts with campaigns. Um, and sometimes there's uh, sources to find those canvas shifts that you can find um, without reaching out directly to the campaign. So organizations like Swing Left uh, work directly to, to organize canvases. And then there's a listing website called mobilizeamerica.io that has canvases as well as phone banks, text banks, and postcarding that you can search for that's near to you. But canvassing is local. It's um, considered the you know, most likely to influence someone's vote. And uh, it also you know, takes a bigger time commitment. And so it might not be for everyone um, or it might not be the best first stage, but it's definitely something important to consider. Other things are phone banking, text banking, and postcarding. Phone banking is really easy. You can do it from home, um, and there's a lot of it that's out there. Again, you can look up on Swing Left. You can look up on mobilizeamerica.io, and I would uh, definitely recommend that as a good first uh, starting point for people who have never done any get-out-the-vote before and realize that the first conversation or the first five conversations might be uncomfortable and unnatural, and you'll sort of have to get into the swing of things. Um, but there's also, you know, Move On has text banking, um, there's a website called postcards to voters, uh, .org, postcards to voters .org, that um, sets you up with uh, figuring out how to do postcarding for campaigns. Um, and then I would say if you want to learn more, there's resources like Resistance School and Swing Left Academy, um, where you can learn about canvassing and phone banking. Um, and, you know, if you want to get involved with our campaign specifically, I would definitely encourage you to check us out. We have a bit.ly, so it's bit.ly slash b on call, the number four democracy, be on call for democracy. Um, and I would definitely check us out and sign up there. And I'm, I'm happy to hop on the phone or have a conversation over email with, with anyone who wants to, uh, you know, do some get out the vote work. And then, sorry, I know I'm giving you a lot of options. But I want them to really get, get your website down for on call for democracy. So say that again, because it's unusual, a little bit unusual for some folks. I mean, I have caught that the first time. Yeah, it's so, so it's uh, bit.ly slash be on call for democracy. So capital B-E, capital O, and capital C-A-L-L, the number four, capital D, and then democracy. Um, you okay. can also, if it's easier to just find us on Twitter, that's totally fine. I'm my, my handle is I'll, I'll put it on the website too. I, I'll, okay. I'll post it with awesome. the show. So 
if you check into the website after the show, I'll have that information for you. But how can we get a hold of you, Andrew? Like you to Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, do you have a preference? Yeah, Twitter's great. My name is Andrew Make Tweet. Andrew Make Tweet on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for for your time today, Andrew. And I, I I'm with you as far as getting out the vote. I read somewhere where somebody said if your vote didn't matter, they would not be working so hard to suppress it. I love that quote. Thank you so much for having this conversation. All right, y'all. Listen, remember, the last midterm elections, one-third of eligible voters across the country, only one-third participated. In our democracy, it involves a lot more than that. So get out, vote, get someone registered, and we're about a month away, so the time is now to get involved. But I want to thank Dr. Andrew D. Goldstein, founder of On Call for Democracy, for spending his time with us today and telling us about the work that he's doing. Appreciate it very much, Andrew. Thank you so much. All right, you've been listening to Race, Violence, and Medicine. I am Dr. Brian H. Williams. You can go to brianwilliamsmd.com to learn more about the show, sign up for the newsletter, and I will keep you informed of what's coming up. Please send me your comments, suggestions, critiques. I want to make sure I put together a show that is worth your time. You can also hit me up on Twitter at BHWilliams. MD. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to I Am Royalty Radio.